Hi, I'm Beth from Horrific History and Hauntings. And I'm Ramey from Leveling Duo, Brother Knows Quests, and Horrific History and Hauntings. And this is Dakota, and I'm just from Leveling Duo. Ah, oh, the simple life. Eh, simple life. You know, simple pleasures, that yes. kind of thing. Technically, I'm on Brother Knows Quest too. Well, that's your fault for forgetting. True. <laughs> but all three of us are a part of the Gruesome Gaming Group, and this is our collaborative bonus episode this week. Beth, do you want to do the honors of telling them what it's about, or do you want one of us to do it? Well, you're the one that came up with the idea for this episode, so I just did the research. The reason this is a crossover episode is because it's about the Satanic Panic and D&D. And since Dakota got me into D&D, and technically Leveling Duo is a gaming podcast, we promised some short D&D stuff here and there. So here we are. Beth and all the research. I just got a few articles I want to talk about afterwards. And I'm just adding a little bit of colorful commentary based on my, you know, knowledge and experiences for both the Satanic Panic and D&D in general. Yes. He knows more about D&D, and I'm the more oddball gaming person when it comes to tabletop role-playing games. Mm-hmm. I guess that leaves me to be the one that knows more about Satanic stuff. And murders. <laughs> You're our resident... Uh... Tragedy expert. I was going to say more along the lines of like bookworm. I mean, like I read a lot, but you do the research. Mm. Yep. Beth, take it away. Okay. Well, first I'm going to mention some little facts that I found about Dungeons and Dragons before we go into the satanic panic part. Mm-hmm. In 1974, Gary... Gygax. Gygax and Dave Arneson published Dungeons and Dragons. The first print... They only had about 1,000 copies, which sold out in 11 months. It's actually, for back then, pretty good. Yeah. And then they released the second print, and it sold out in six months. Even better. Yes. They done well. Originally, it was a war game add-on. Mm-hmm. Chainmail. Yes, Chainmail. Gary and Dave marketed it as a fantasy variation of the wildly popular Chainmail war game. It accumulated a large fan base and grew to be so popular, even though it was not an independent game. So basically, in a nutshell, it became so popular as a subset for an existing game that eventually it became its own game of its own. Yes, creators abandoned Chainmail to create this entirely new game. That's the story of Pathfinder's origins too, but it was mm-hmm. a D&D breaking. By 2004, it's estimated that D&D had been played by over 20 million people And an article in the Smithsonian Magazine said that, and it was released this year, D&D has been played by more than 50 million people. I can see it now, especially after the pandemic. I was going to say it also mentioned it kind of skyrocketed at that point. Stranger Things. Critical Role. Critical Role. See, I always forget that one. I've never heard of that one. Oh, gosh, Beth. You've really not. Beth, like, yeah, like you have watched Critical Role with us before. I know it's been a minute. If nothing else, go and watch the series on Amazon about it. It's Box a, Machina. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's literally their first campaign that is being adapted into an animation series on Amazon Prime. Oh, so that's the animation thing that I kept finding. Yeah, The Legend of Vox Machina. That's exactly what it is. It's literally just their first D&D campaign that's been animated. Okay. Yeah, you should watch it. It's on Prime Video. And it's worth the watch. Yeah. I'll add a link to it in the uh, description. Yeah, I was going to see. That can be our link. Yeah, there we go. I was just going to say, like, it's just good to see, as a, you know, D&D tabletop enthusiast myself, it's just nice to see more and more people kind of getting into the hobby and just, you know, enjoyment, entertainment out of it. And it's, you know, when people aren't approaching it with uh, it's the devil mentality <laughs> about, like, the satanic panic. Yeah. Like, the whole, uh, as we've talked about before, uh, you don't have to hide in a dark basement 
in black robes and cackle at each other and throw fireballs. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what you said the day we first started playing. Mm-hmm. Because you had done it before. Hey, had to <laughs> break the ice somehow. You know, yeah. nothing like making everyone laugh a little bit. Well, it makes me remember it. Originally, Dungeons & Dragons had only about a $2,000 budget. And also, another little fun fact, apparently there's a Dungeons & Dragons day. But when I looked it up, there were so many different days and months <laughs> that I don't know which one it actually was. Yeah, there's probably one for the people who like a lot of homebrew. And there's probably one for the people who just go buy the book. There's Modules. one yeah. that made the most sense, July 27th. That was Gary Gygax's birthday. Okay, that's I'd take that one. And then I want to say another one was in November, if I'm not mistaken. And that was, I think, when it originally was published. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure. I could see that also being pretty viable. Yeah, I still think Gary Gygax Day is the my choice. Now, here we are. We're all going to have different days set. Well, I think Gygax Day would be just like its own thing. You know, like you're celebrating like the man. Yeah, not and, just the game. Yeah. I don't know. His love of the game is what brought it into existence. Yeah. So. Well, we're going into the satanic panic part and how Dungeons and Dragons got drug into it. It was inevitable. Yeah. In the 1980s, there was a nationwide panic called the satanic panic. People were afraid that more people were getting involved in satanic rituals and cults. Most of these fears turned out to be false, and like the Salem Witch Trials, it just caused a lot of false accusations and panic for absolutely no reason. Mainly due to people's ignorance and lack of wanting to even uh, educate themselves at all. Exactly, yes. Ignorance breeds destruction in many cases. Indeed it does. Were anything weird or strange, it was Satan, the devil. Don't wear those black t-shirts. For shame. That rock musical. Send you straight to the depths of hell. Now, I have a note here. I put it at the very top of mine to just, like I said, interject occasionally. Mm -hmm. Dicebreaker on their website had a link about this. And it went on to say, one of the most important things to remember when looking into the satanic panic of the 1980s is that it didn't just appear out of nowhere. There were several instigators to the movement, namely the influx of apprehended serial killers and how the media reported the news to the general public. Like 1969 Manson families, lots of people going and getting murdered by the Manson family, and it all came across as very satanic. So people had a lot of reason to fear what may be Satanists. To add on to it, a lot of the serial killers was happening in like the 1969, 1970s, and it was also being put on television more. So people were able to see more about it. Social media back in the day, guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was no Facebook. You got a notification. It was either you read it in the newspaper or you turned on the six o'clock news and actually sat there and watched it. Yeah. It is kind of easy to see how people was kind of scared. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons got drug into the satanic panic because some believed it was a gateway to the occult. Much like people who believe the rock music and video games cause kids to grow up to be violent criminals. Yeah. Uh, Those violent video games. Uh, Grand Theft Auto got rung out real good because of it. <laughs> Which essentially wasn't the main reason why D&D &D was kind of put in the spotlight anyway. Was because, as you were talking about earlier, where some of the killings that happened with the serial killers had uh, been reported as having played D&D &D themselves. And that was kind of one of the main reasons why like D&D &D as a concept or the satanic thing got drug into the spotlight. Yeah, they seen 
that a lot of cases where a lot of these suicides and murders had been D&D players. It seemed to them it's what caused it all. My thing is, so was D&D ever credited with being a direct cause for anything, you know, that had to do with the killing? The experts didn't think so. Beth, you're going to go into this, right? A little bit. Okay. We'll let you go into it. Okay. Heard that. D&D was wrongly portrayed to be a gateway to the occult and was influencing young people to be involved in satanic rituals and such. Obviously, it was not. That's just what people thought. They would hear their kids sitting around and talking about casting fireballs and magic <laughs> missiles, and then they would pick up the books the kids were using and see inside of it that there was spell rules and actual monsters listed and how strong they were and all that. It, it freaked parents out. Reminds me of a certain someone reading the Necronomicon in the middle of science class and freaking our teacher out. The people at the lunchroom were the ones that got worse. They, they were just uncomfortable when I was reading. Again, ignorance. It was just a book, and it wasn't even written by the person on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fan of Evil Dead. Good show movies and so the, on and so forth. I have the D&D version of Evil Dead. <laughs> it's called Army of Darkness RPG. Oh no, you're going to cause another panic. Uh. Several factors fueled this movement. As you said, it was mostly the rise in serial killers being captured and how the media presented the news to the public. Mm-hmm. And the 1969 Charles Manson, where they committed nine murders and much of the symbolism left behind led the American people to believe that the murders were satanic. You know, the messages scribbled in blood and the disturbing graffiti that they left behind. Yeah. At the end of the 1960s, the Zodiac Killer emerged as a notorious unidentified serial killer in Northern California. And he was known for taunting the police and media with cryptic messages and ciphers, mm-hmm. which is just something for them to figure out yeah. what the messages say, pretty much. Yeah. In the 1970s, new horrific serial killers popped up and it added to this panic, causing many people to be suspicious of the writings they didn't understand. In the 70s, good old Ted Bundy used good looks and charm to lure in his victims, also was great at convincing the general public into thinking he was just a harmless man Mm -hmm. and that he was falsely accused. And other killers during this time, John Wayne Gacy, Son of Sam. Like I said, they were reported more during this time. This was happening before then, but TV and media just blew it out of proportion, showed more of it. Ted Mm -hmm. Bundy's trial was the first to be televised, and that was happening about this time. Okay. So People were afraid of everything. Yeah, it it caused a lot of fear, and D&D just happened to get drug into it. They hyper-focused on something that they thought was within their realm of control. Basically, yeah. yeah. Don't worry about the Cold War. <laughs> let's Stop focus on the nuclear weapons everywhere. Let's make sure our kids aren't playing D and D, so their minds don't get warped by the devil. Like little Timmy, don't worry about that ballistic missile. Just don't, don't like you can't be casting fireball or your soul will go to hell when you die. <laughs> Those ICBMs aren't going to get you before the devil does. In 1969, the same year as the Manson family killings, mm-hmm. the Satanic Bible by Anton Lavey. Uh huh. It's on my shelf in there. Was published. Mm. So we're all going to hell. Right next to the Necronomicon. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <sighs> oh, with it, all those D&D books, too, we're screwed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, if your bookshelf was in a different era, man. <laughs> oh, I would have been burnt. I'd have been lucky to have been burnt, not something else. Yeah, for sure. You would also be blamed for murders. Oh, yeah. So many murders. I don't even like to leave the house. <laughs> you know, like the 80s was just a different time in general. Like there was a lot of... Well, to put it in, I guess, more modern term, like the 80s was the opposite of woke. Oh, yeah. 
And you had the AIDS pandemic, so everybody thought that God had sent the devil's virus to kill the gays. Drugs. Yeah. yeah the drugs. Yeah, so like if you was a, a gay man that smoked weed and played D&D in the 80s, you was like apparently like the culmination of everything that was wrong in the world. Yeah. It was a stupid time, man. It was. You <laughs> I had mean, a target like, on your back the size of Moscow. This book became an important piece of work for the Church of Satan. In 1966, mm. the Church of Satan was established by LeVay, and an official biblical text tied to Satanism really changed things up for him. Mm-hmm. It does help to have some writing to back up your words. Yeah. In 1980, the book Michelle Remembers was published. It was supposed to be about the co-author Lawrence Pester, who was said to be a psychologist uncovering his wife's repressed memories using hypnosis. The book was debunked soon after its release, and the press still caused the book to become a widespread phenomenon, which led to Pazder being seen as an expert on the subject, even though he was not. And this helped cause the daycare panic, which I didn't know was a thing. Hmm. I never heard of that one either. Yeah. People believed many daycares in the United States were fronts for satanic rituals that were harming children. Oh, no. Through the 1980s, several preschools were accused of misconduct. McMartin Daycare in Manhattan Beach, California, claims of people were turning into witches and flying and flushing children down the toilets. And they believed it. Can you imagine going to court (laughs) with this stuff? Like, could you imagine being a judge in the 80s? Yeah. And the thing is, some of these judges sided with the lunatic. They also said there was secret underground tunnels where rituals were carried out, and some people began digging around the daycare to prove it. All these charges were dropped because obviously there was no evidence because no children were getting flushed down the toilets. There was no tunnels. I wonder if this is when babysitters became popular. Probably. Hmm. Hopefully they didn't bring along the player's handbook. <laughs> yeah, we have something to do fun with the kids tonight. And you get home and they're casting fireball. Blasphemy. I just summoned the Demogorgon, Mama. <laughs> like, we're fighting God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no, you couldn't fight God. No, not our God. Another one and his friend. Other God. There is no other God. <laughs> I bet that's what really upset him more than anything. Not just the devils, the fact that D&D listed more than one God. The way I was able to kind of get my old-fashioned grandparents, like, because they were of that mentality back in the day when I told them, you know, I was interested in D&D a little bit. Basically, I was just like, it's based on mythology. And then they were just like, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, they were good with it. They were like, oh, yeah, mythology's fake. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm not going to get into, like, an existential, you know, philosophical debate about <laughs> what is or isn't made up. But I was like. Don't worry, it's just a book. It's a game. If they accident, if they somehow inadvertently put like an actual magical formula into one of these books, then kudos to them. Mm-hmm. But I've yet to see anything remotely worrying about that. You know, so. in the Dresden Files, the more people who use the same ritual, like word for word, the mm-hmm. less magic it has in the long run. 26 people were sent to jail even though there was no hard evidence. One man served 20 years of his 40-year sentence. Mm. For this whole thing. At least they came around. Yeah. After 20 years. It could have just been good behavior getting him out of there. I don't know. In 1979, James Dallas Egbert III. I love that name. Discovered, (laughs) was discovered missing from his dorm at Michigan State University. He was, it says 16 years old. Why was he a 16-year-old in a university? I have here. He could have been Sheldon. Well, that's it. The New York Times had their seven-year-old YouTube video up about this called Retro Report, Satanic Panic. And um, he was a bit of a boy genius. The family hires a guy to hunt him down, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. 
William Deere describes him as being a computer nerd and has lots of hair and carries a briefcase. That was the words he used in their interview. Okay. Interesting description. He didn't say he was a genius, but he was 16 in college. Yeah. So he just called him a computer nerd with lots of hair. That happened to play D&D. Uh, oh, in his briefcase, yes. Probably full of dice. I had a, <laughs> a briefcase full of dice for a while. <laughs> Actually, I do remember you did. I still have the briefcase. I just took the dice out because I didn't have room on my shelves anymore. Uh. His parents hired a private investigator who believed that it was foul play. The investigator William Deere. He's the one that got the media involved in this. Okay. Well, they believed that it was foul play because of his history of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. In the report, the guy walked in on his, I guess, dorm room and seen these weird books. Elbert was suffering from mental health issues and drug addiction, mm -hmm. which resulted in him taking refugee in the utility tunnels under the school. And he took his own life. Mm -hmm. He died from self-inflicted gunshot wound. That was way later. He came back and was alive. See, I seen something like that in one of the sources. But he went down there with the media, the guy did, because he found. And this kid it, was just living in a tunnel? In his, no, in his dorm room, the guy found a neat stack of books and a cork board with a neat outlay of tacks that had a resemblance to the maps of the, not boiler room area, but it's something like that. And they would use that to hang out in. And since it was kind of a map of it on that cork board in his dorm, he took the media and everything and just went down there. Old media reels play at the same time, saying, it's a fantasy world of dragons, magic, monsters, and castles. And then it goes on to say, this world has become real to these people. And then it goes on to point out that it is a game after that. The media, these are old videos from newsreels. <laughs> so it's, it's like all over the place of its story. Well, I mean, like, even with that, like, comment, though, like, it's still a game that some disturbed people have, you know, taken... Like, they've lost touch with reality. That's not the game's fault. That's something wrong with the person, not yeah. the game. Well, one media clip did show how the game was played with stats and dice and how none of the stuff is acted out in real life. But all that in mind, they did go on to say that Deer says that some kids take it too far, the investigator. So the New York Times is real nice to point that part out. It's Deer <laughs> just inst instigating all this. Well, I mean, like, even then, like, taking it too far, like, what that's, what's that supposed to mean? I mean, you throw a bottle at someone and say, fireball! I think you have to light the rag that's in the bottle first. That's, yeah. that's called a Matoff, and that's an improvised weapon. Yeah, that don't count. You have to have a special, what is it, brawler? That, well, tavern brawler, but that, that's a joke. Yeah, that's but, a, but, but even still, though, I mean, like... Don't go throwing things like that. I mean, like, I think that D&D, &D, like, nowadays can be considered, like, a good, like, therapy tool. Well, we'll talk a little bit more in depth later, but I just wanted to say that I think it can be a good therapy tool. But like with anything else, like, unfortunately, like if you're someone that has like some sort of, you know, mental ment illness, yeah, mental illness that's caused uh, like some sort of like warped perception of reality or something like that. Anything D&D &D or otherwise could be, you know, taken way out of control of context on that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen like multiple episodes of like crime dramas where there's always inadvertently an episode where there's like some kids or teenagers or someone that's went out here and they're obsessed with some video game or something that they've done as a hobby and they've taken it to the next level as they call it and like turned it into reality that's not the game's fault that person or people are having some sort of like mental break I don't know, like, getting back to the satanic panic, though, like, I, I, like, all that really boils down to is just a general lack of 
knowledge and education on certain issues. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the general public had been a little bit more knowledgeable on, like, mental health issues and just the concept of what D&D was, then I don't think there would have been a satanic panic in the first place. But that would have been too easy. It would have been. Now, I did find in my notes here, Deer went home empty-handed and then got a call that told him where to find James. The guy was okay, but the damage had already been done by the media because he took the media down there to hunt for him after explaining about the D&D books. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Time of his missing, it was never explained. James didn't explain it much. And then eventually he did kill himself, unfortunately. Hmm. Yes. And many still believed that it was because of Dungeons and Dragons. It probably had a lot to do with a 16-year-old being on a campus, even if he was very bright. He probably didn't have very many friends because he, like you said, was 16 years old in a college campus. Like as a small disclaimer in the middle of the episode, if you ever have any issues, guys, you know, like always try to reach out to somebody. There's hotlines out there, numbers to call. Reach out to a family member, friend, somebody. Like never feel like you're completely alone out there. Always ask for help. Now, back to the satanic panic. People began using this to market their work. Author Rona, or Rana, Jeffa, Jaffa. <laughs> Jafar. Corona watched, Jafar. You ever watched Stargate? <laughs> well, it's spelled R-O-N-A. Yeah. And then the last name is J-A-F-F-A. They wrote Mazes and Monsters. It's a book based on Egbert. It later turned into a movie starring Tom Hanks. In 1984, the private detective also wrote a book on the subject himself to make money from The Dungeon Master. Then it tells the kid's name. TSR, the publishers of Dungeons and Dragons at the time, saw a rise in sales after the release of Egbert's story. Hmm. There was also some that said they saw a decrease, but then they saw a major increase. They sold thousands of books in the 90 days after the media. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next year, sales quadrupled. So inadvertently, the satanic panic, as much as it was uh, essentially a movement that tried to suppress D&D through, you know, fear of Satanism, it actually inadvertently... uh, Caused it to do better. Yes. You tell kids Mm -hmm. not to do this, not to listen to this, not to play this game, blah, blah, blah. They're going to do it. Classic reverse psychology. Could you imagine if the guy that like started all this was just like, this is a really badass game. Yeah, I'm gonna Mr. start. I'm, I'm gonna give it bad publicity so that way it's gonna snowball and more people are gonna know about this. Mister Deer, imagine, <laughs> I can imagine being like a Futurama episode or something like Gygax paid this dude. <laughs> oh no. no, no, no disrespect to the Gygax family or anything like that. Like just uh, throwing it out there, you know, like one of those parody episode type things. My article had also wrote. By the way, like I said, this is that New York Times D and D Satanic Panic thing. Um, seven year old video on YouTube. Two groups rose up. Those who wanted to buy the book and those who were trying to ban it. Televangelist took to a new crusade. Old TV guy again from the same clip. Kids like yours and in your neighborhood turning to darkness because society has shut God out. What is he like doing like holding up a copy of the DMG? Uh, no, like he, This is the cause. It was just showing kids rolling dice. I wrote down in my notes to myself, probably asking for donations to get the word out. But like the kids are, are chanting... Like clickety clackety roll to attackity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like that. That's <laughs> uh, an old meme. Then they get locked but, in the basement so they don't manse in their own family. Yeah, instead they just turn into like some weird version of Gollum where like all they know <laughs> is their precious D twenty. <laughs> oh no. Oh, this was the time of Thacko, wasn't it? Yes. Ugh. They needed all the sales they can get. <laughs> 
Uh, Which, I mean, like, they did very well. Yeah. I mean, like, it's really no wonder, like, the like your older players of the, the Thacko days, like, those are some of your, like, those are your OG players. Yeah. They know what it's like. You need a briefcase to keep track of the notes for that. Yeah. Sorry, Beth, did we take you off course again? No, it's all good. I needed y'all to do that, otherwise it was going to be a short episode. <laughs> now I'm going to go into this lovely lady... Patricia Pulling. Oh my I actually, God. I'm I, glad you've done this. Did I you take the same list I did down? Maybe, but I feel bad for what she went through, but she is a real piece of work. Patricia Pulling was the mother of high school student Irving Lee Pulling, mm-hmm. and Irving had trouble fitting in at school. He died after shooting himself in the chest. Oh no. Yes. So I feel bad for that. Obviously, grieving mother. Patricia believed her son's death was caused by Dungeons and Dragons. She tried to sue TSR and her son's principal, who had been the one to place a curse upon his game character while the principal was running the game. So she literally thought that because... She thought the curse was real. Because her son was playing a game where the principal was the dungeon master and his character got cursed in-game, that mm-hmm. that's what spurred her son to commit suicide, that the curse compelled him to do that. Yes. And there was also Washington Post articles released at the time talking about how pulling had had trouble fitting in in school. She instead decided to blame the principal in D&D. So Um, instead of like tackling the real problem, she just tried to make a scapegoat. Yeah. And like I said, I feel bad because it probably was traumatic. She lost her son in a horrific way, but it wasn't Dungeons & Dragons. That was not a real curse. I've had... I don't know if it was a curse. I don't think it was a curse. But either way, I had three baby gnomes in one game. And I'm not running around in real life with three little baby gnomes. Yeah. Or three babies. Or or three babies in general. I ain't got no, no babies. Not that we know of. She stays in the house all the time. This is, by the way, the, what I mentioned about the students and everything a minute ago. That was from an article the BBC wrote in 2014 about the satanic panic as well in yeah. D&D. It was clear that there was more complex psychological factors at play. Victoria, Victoria Rockacharlie. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Victoria. A classmate of Irving uh, commented that he had a lot of problems anyway that weren't associated with the game. His classmates just assumed that something was wrong with him from before yes, the game. Yes, uh, I think I remember reading that. No, that's part just too. a classmate. This is you know school. We know how kids are. But what kind of person would say that right after that if they didn't actually believe it to be a factor? Yeah, and also I feel like sometimes kids are more likely to tell their peers or their friends at school rather than tell their parents if something's actually going on, depending on what's going on, I guess. Did you mention that the courts dismissed the cases? I don't think I did, but yes, they did Mm -hmm. dismiss the cases. But she did continue her crusade. Yes, she started a campaign called BAD, B-A-D-D, Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) 1983. Her description of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I love it. I'm going to quote it, and it says... A fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, murder, satanic-type rituals, and demon summoning. Can I list out the exact things she wrote on the pamphlets? Go for it, because that's what I put. Okay. Pulling described D&D as a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, Barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, uh, divining, and other techniques. Remy, you must not be a very good dungeon master because I don't remember any of that. 
Well, at least a lot of that. No, that was a little homosexuality and sex perversion. <laughs> yeah, and some but prostitution. I, I don't remember. You're not selling the game very that. well. <laughs> I mean, no, I, that's what the, up to the dungeon master to put it in there. They don't have that as a thing. In it's not the in rules. the books. No, yeah. you. If you create things like that, it's from your own head. And I was playing with my family and my closest friends. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. You gave me three baby gnomes. Yeah. After, and made me poop myself while I was pregnant with them. <laughs> you know, it almost, you know, that almost uh, reminds me of like, you know, like the meme guys, like the whole, like when you're watching anime, like when you're watching it by yourself. Like it's all the like the real cool parts, and like when your parents walk in, your friend walks in. That's when like the extremely like lewd content comes on. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's all the fucking is it, and it, you yeah. know, and it's just like, no, no, that's only part of it. Most D and D games will not be like that. Uh, it was one of my first games I ever ran, and I got a little bit more experience and realized these things even were probably were not cool, and I wouldn't do them now if any random stranger. I did it. To my sister. That sounds great. That <laughs> yeah, sounds that's wonderful. Definitely not helping the cause of the game, man. I just, I know, I had her, what was it? You you rolled badly interacting with a god, I believe. Yeah. And so she cursed you with two babies. It turned out not to be of the same person your boyfriend was. I'll just leave my, my, my apology here. I did not know what I was doing back then, and I was a lot younger. And it was just fun. Nobody complained. Beth did a little bit when she pooped herself. And then I had to be stuck home. And then they made her stay home. You should blame her boyfriend at the time, who made her stay home to take care of the babies in the D&D game. <laughs> I guess like and that woman should have added some misogyny in there. Yeah. I didn't do that part. The babies were bad because they were, they were sorcerers. Gnomes. They were sorcerer babies. So they had powers of their own. And they were... Mischievous. They were toddlers. What do you expect? <laughs> They're going to be mischievous. They couldn't keep a nanny. <laughs> Oh, good times, good times. Bad was a media campaign against Dungeons and Dragons through a, sorry, multiple conservative Christian outlets. It appeared on a mainstream TV show called 60 Minutes and mm. studies by the American Association of Suicidology, the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Health and Welfare Canada all found no link between Dungeons and Dragons and suicide. Well, we all know how conservative Christians see science. Again, like the rock music and video games, there were concerns that Dungeons and Dragons was able to influence young people and leave them unable to recognize the difference between fantasy and reality. TSR hired psychologist Joyce Brothers, mm -hmm. who defended Dungeons and Dragons to the public. She let people know that the point of Dungeons and Dragons was to show that good was meant to triumph over evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously, religious figures did not help this whole situation and this whole panic because they believed it was demon worshipping due to the different gods in the game. It was also believed that if your character died in the game, then the player would be driven to suicide. Of course. Gary Gygax himself, I should say, was a religious man. Isn't that the main reason why like, he like, included like the demons and stuff like that in the game originally was to like triumph over them? Yeah. Timothy Cass, who helped Gary Gygax back in the day? Mm-hmm. He was the one in the video I watched explaining how many books they sold. He and Gary Gygax had a lot of laughs over this whole ordeal when it came to how many books they were selling and the fact that they thought they were devil worshippers. He didn't feel good about all the tragedies that was making them think this. So just the media coverage made him kind of laugh in general. Northwest University professor of sociology, G. Allen Fine, wrote a book. It's called Shared Fantasy, Role-Playing Games and Social Worlds. He kind of had a laugh. He was having a fun time talking to these kids. He was learning from them as much as they were learning from him. Said they were nerdy kids who didn't go out on weekends 
they they don't go out and do nothing. Don't worry about it. This is just a game for them to play, mm. and you all might not understanding, and that's why it's weird. Yeah, that's all I had about that. I just wanted to say that you know a sociology professor thinks this is all hooey and wrote a book about hogwash. Yeah. <laughs> In 1984, another incident that happened fueled the fire, and it was the murder of Mary Toey. She was murdered by two boys who also happened to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Their names were Ron Adcox and Darren Molitor, M-O-L-I-T-O-R. Yeah, that sounds right. Molitor complained that he should have been allowed to include Dungeons and Dragons as part of his defense. He claimed that playing it taught him to play mind games and that he planned to use those mind games on Mary. Hmm. And he also claimed that playing Dungeons and Dragons conditioned him to be violent and led him away from God. Oh, he just said exactly what the televangelists were saying. I wonder how he heard it. Hmm. Yeah. I bet his lawyer made him say that. Yeah. I don't know. It I'm was, no expert. But. That it was happening. This was, as it said, the satanic panic. And they thought that if they used that, that he would get a lesser sentence probably. And I don't think it worked out. Well, they wouldn't allow him to use it. So I know oh. it didn't work out. Okay, good. <laughs> In 1988, Dungeons and Dragon player Chris Pritchard, he attacked his mother and stepfather over inheritance money. And they blamed it on D&D. No. Okay. The mother survived. The stepfather, Leith Von Stein, died. Wow. Great mm. name, dude. Yeah. James Bartlett, Upchurch III, and Gerald Neil Henderson were friends of Pritchard's, I think is how that name is pronounced, mm. who also played Dungeons and Dragons with him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they were also convicted of aiding and assisting with the murder. Did they say they needed to buy more dice or something? <laughs> He just wanted his inheritance money. I need to, that's one I'll have to do a whole episode on. There's okay. quite a bit of detail in that one, but not about Dungeons and Dragons. They just happened to play Dungeons and Dragons, and he happened to convince his buddies that played with him to help murder his mother and stepfather. Yeah, the dungeon master. He was not a very good person to begin with. <laughs> it's like no different than if they were like a couple of guys that met at a bar Played pool every Friday or went bowling or something. They were just guys that hung out regularly, and he convinced them to help them. Yeah. He, I want to say, offered to give them a cut of the money that yeah, he that's, clearly that's, did not get because he murdered them, and you don't get the money when you murder them. Are you sure about that? If you are caught murdering someone, you do not get their insurance. No, he didn't want their insurance money. He wanted oh, their inheritance. The inheritance. So I think they he have to give it to him. Well, what's he going to do with it in jail? <laughs> what he's in jail for forty years. Enjoy your honey buns. I mean, I served the lawyer fees to take a lot of it. Yeah. In two thousand ten, the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit supported a ban on Dungeons and Dragons by the Wapoon. W-A-U-P-U-N. Is this a prison? Yes. Okay, I told you about this on the first episode of Brotherner's Quest. Okay. The institution's gang specialist, Captain Marsaki, testified that Dungeons & Dragons can, quote, foster an inmate's obsession with escaping from the real-life correctional environment, fostering hostility, violence, and escape behavior. He just overheard them talking about escaping a jail and game and assumed that they were taking it seriously. Yeah. No, I don't even think I've had to do that once in D&D, have we? I mean, like, there's been times so. that we've, like, Jonathan. got locked up, but... <laughs> Jonathan! Mm. Uh. <laughs> I love Jonathan. Watch the D&D movie. I'll leave a link 
<laughs> or to its Amazon. I'll leave a link in the description to the Amazon. It is a great movie. In 1980, Frank Mincer was hired by TSR. Part of his job was to be a public spokesman for TSR. His work was Red Box Basic Edition of Dungeons and Dragons. He co-wrote oh. Basic Edition of Dungeons and Dragons. He co-wrote The Temple of Elemental Evil with Dungeons and Dragons creator Gary Gygax. 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 In an attempt to prove Dungeons and Dragons was not involved in satanic rituals, Frank would demonstrate how to cast spells on TV. And these are going to be quotes. I would demonstrate how to cast spells and say, okay, I cast Fireball. And the host would look at me and say, what? I said, that's it. The same as I pick up a wrench. It's a tool, not ornate. Florid, it's just a tool in this fantasy. M-I-L-I-E-U. That's what it said. I didn't know what that was. Milu? I don't know. Anyway. And the only people who have a problem with it are those who believe these fantasy escapist elements take you away from reality. Wait till video games come along. (laughs) (laughs) James Louder wrote and edited books for TSR's fiction department, said, By the time the second edition came out in 1989, they'd taken devils and demons and all of that out of the game as a token gesture for the people who were concerned about it. But there was still a palatable opposition to the game in the early 90s. Those evangelicals. He got phone calls at the TSR fiction desk from people asking if D&D would turn their kids into Satanist. Oh, goodness. How do you explain that? You know you have to take the parents' concern into consideration. And the fact they're calling and asking is, says a lot, yeah. not just accusing. I couldn't have worked there. My eyes would still be rolled into the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. I, Mama caught me doing that. Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> It's so hard not to sometimes now, though, with just mm. people in general. Yeah. Oh. Even if there's nobody around and it's just, I drop something. <laughs> or, Dakota, how often do you roll things. your eyes? Quite often. Oh, thank God. See, I don't notice other people doing it. Um, I do it. And my mama took to noticing me. And then she asked me, why do you hate me? Oh. You know, she has not once blamed D&D <laughs> <laughs> for my behavior. She actually enjoys hearing us talk about D&D. <laughs> He said some people had to react to things they didn't understand and, quote, they just wanted to insult the company and tell whatever employee they got on the phone that he or she was going to hell for doing the Satan's work. Okay. And then a few more facts about Dungeons and Dragons. During 2022, due to the pandemic, sales jumped up 33%. And Stranger Things also helped give D&D an increase in sales. The creators of Stranger Things, Matt and Ross Duffer, I think they're brothers. Mm-hmm. They are D&D players and admit it was one of their biggest influences. I mean, there's no denying that. Uh, Wizards works closely with them now to kind of give them lore about things like Vecna and all that. Mm. Yeah, I watched a whole thing about it and it had uh, Chris Perkins from Wizards talking about it. I watch everything with Chris Perkins in it because I like Chris Perkins. Yeah, this has been educational. Yeah, that's all I have. So unless you got anything else extra. Dakota, do you have anything to say now that I've said that? Uh, I'll just say I'm glad we're past the point of the satanic panic <laughs> nowadays, clearly. I'm just glad to see D&D is doing better and is a little bit more, eh, not necessarily mainstream, but just more common than it used to be. You know, it's got a larger fan base, you know, larger community of players. And just for all of our listeners out there, if you've never played D&D, uh, or any other tabletop, I recommend giving it a try sometime. If you got the time, know some people, try to have some fun. And as I've said earlier in the episode and in other episodes, I find it to be kind of like a good uh, kind of therapy tool. You can kind of work through some stuff, 
de-stress, decompress, that sort of thing, and just have some fun, you know, build some relationships and good memories with people that's close to you. It, it works like that. And that brings me to my next point. I should have said this first. The Guardian had an article out. A lot of places have articles out about it, but I use the Guardians because it's a more recognizable name outside the gaming community. According to practitioners, D&D can be used to treat everything from exploring gender, you could take on characters whose identity is completely foreign to yours, of course, to recover from traumatic events, trauma disconnects us from ourselves, and one of the first things we get disconnected from is our imagination and creativity, quoted Cassie Walker, a clinical social worker, told Wired last year. So this is an article from The Guardian that's quoting Wired right now. It has the, the potential to lighten up a therapy session. And I have seen it the same way as a, a means of relaxing and, and playing out something I normally wouldn't. Yeah, I could see it as a therapy. I feel like I feel like a, a better person when I'm playing. Now, if I'm running the game, it's I don't feel bad, but I do feel a whole lot more tired afterwards. There's a lot more paperwork involved for the person running the game. Mm-hmm. So if they want to start a satanic cult with D&D as a dungeon master, then they got a whole lot more work cut out for them than just writing a couple speeches. <laughs> I'm going to have some affiliate links from Amazon in the description. They'll be linked to some of the movies I can find and some of the D&D content that I found. I'll add the starter set for D&D in the description and things like that. Stuff that might be interesting, as well as a suicide prevention number. If anybody feels like they need that, I'll put it in the description. On that, guys, just remember, uh, never feel like you're alone out there. Always reach out for help. There's numbers you can call. We'll leave a number in the description. If you feel the need to reach out, family, friend, there's professionals out there, call the hotlines. Just, you know, never feel like you're alone. And there's always help. There's always something, something to get going for, even if it don't seem like it right now. You can only do something about change if you're still here. That in mind, hope all of our listeners have enjoyed this bonus episode of Gruesome Gaming Group. That's been a collaborative effort between uh, all three of us. I'll leave the link, a link tree in the description. You can find all our other content there. The first one will be our website that has all of our podcast lists as well as options to donate if you want to do that. My best recommendation is if you feel like you don't want to donate to us, buy something of one of the affiliate links on the episode you like. It has something there you might enjoy. And we also have right below that on the link tree is our YouTube channel as well as all of our socials underneath that. You can follow chat. Beth has an email there. You can contact her about Horrific History and Hauntings. I run the Twitter and the Instagram and everything, the TikTok. And if you want to reach out to us, choose one of those. If it ain't me that answers it, it'll be Beth. And we'll forward it to whoever you want to talk to. Also, if you'd like to review us on YouTube or any of your podcast apps that let you, that'd be nice. We would like to hear from you and what you think. Thank you for listening. I've been Ramey. This has been Dakota. And I'm Beth. We're logging off. Logging off. Bye.